Ms. Brandy Wiggins, it's my honor and privilege in obedience to the command of the Lord to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins, planted in the likeness of His death, rising to walk in the newness of life. Lord, fill our sister to overflowing with Your Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Fill her to overflowing, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Proclaim the gospel. I always try to share the gospel every Sunday. We live in a fallen world that is separated from a good God. If you don't believe it, just turn on CNN or Fox or look at the headlines even of the Hood County News. You can see that something is wrong. And we serve a good God who chose to pay for those sins that we see so prevalent in the press and even in our entertainment forms. He chose to pay for those sins so that mankind could let it go. Because a lot of those problems you read about and see and even witness and maybe even participate in are related to unforgiveness and the failure to let things go. But God chose to send His Son to be the the final payment for everyone's sins. So that if we'll put our faith in Him and let it go, we can be forgiven and released from loads and loads of unforgiveness. Amen. And He did so. Amen. He did so by sending His Son and having Him live a perfect life for 30 plus years. And they killed Him. Humanity hates goodness. It really does. And they call evil good and good evil. And, and uh, they ended His life. But God allowed it to happen so that that death, that unjust death, could be the payment for our sins. So that the punishment any of us are worthy of can be atoned for or paid or or expunged before God. So that in our hearts would come the freedom from forgive the freedom from our guilt and forgiveness of our sins and an appreciation that is so strong it transforms the way we live. Because we begin to love God for what He's done for us. We've been forgiven, saints. 
And if you're here today with a load of guilt, you've not been following Jesus or you never have followed Jesus, God's Son died for you. And He died for me. And if He wouldn't have done it for anyone, He would have done it for you because He loves you. If you'll put your faith in that fact, if you find yourself beginning to believe things that I'm sharing that you've heard before, that's saving faith dawning in your heart. Step out on that and begin to call on His name. Let's do it. Call on His name. Do something like this. Jesus, Jesus. I call on Your name. Forgive me of everything that separated me from You and everything that's ruined my relationships. Forgive me. I believe You died to pay for my sins. And I believe that You have risen from the dead. Romans chapter 10 says that with the heart we believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that if we will confess Jesus, who He is and what He has done, we can be saved. Amen. It comes, it begins by calling on His name. Just as we worship one more song, just begin to call on His name. Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in You for my forgiveness. I'm going to put my trust in You for my life and everything that concerns me. Let's continue worship.
One more time. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Oh, just one more time. We worship you, our Hallelujah. In the Hebrew Scriptures, something to do with punctuation, sometimes they use the Aleph and the Tav, the, last, the first and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And in Galatians, I mean, Genesis, the first chapter, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And what you don't read there in the English translation is there's an Aleph and Tav there between the word for God and the word there for created. In the beginning God, Aleph and Tav, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, created the heaven and the earth. Is it any wonder that in the Greek language, in Revelation, Christ declares Himself as God. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The Aleph and Tav, the A and the Z, the first and the last. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for revealing Yourself to us. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise Him one more time. Thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our praise team today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 John, chapter 1. We've been speaking on the subject of love and um, how much God loves us. And now we're transitioning into the need to take that love that He's given us. It's so good. And to give it to others. And Christ in the Gospels said that the, all the law and all the prophets hangs on two commandments. Yep, all those 600 and some plus commands that Moses gave hang on two commands. And they're both commands that Moses gave. Everything else doesn't, everything else hangs on these two commands. And the first command is to love God with everything in you. All your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second one, Jesus said, is like unto it. To love your neighbor as yourself. So, as God loves you, if you don't love yourself, the love of God can heal self-hatred and self-rejection and regret as you learn to forgive yourself. Receiving God's forgiveness is the best thing you can do is to receive God's love for yourself. But it doesn't stop there. It goes somewhere. It flows through you. God's love is eternal. It's constant. And you can't eat it up. It's there in you, ready to help somebody. Amen? And in John 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, 
that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34, 35. So he gives a new command. He raised the level, raises the level of the second great command, love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another as I have loved you. Man, that's even more love than we've bestowed upon ourselves. And he said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. What is the church known for in the world? Many times we are not known for our love for one another. You know, God forbid, sometimes churches are known for splitting and fighting and hurting one another. But more times than that, we are more known for what we're against than what we're for. You know, the sins of commission are seriously, are serious. You know, you don't want to lie. You don't want to steal. You don't want to cheat on your spouse. You don't want to ruin your future. You don't want to blaspheme God. So you, you, you don't want to do this. But many times we overlook the sins of omission. You know, when we don't do the things we're not supposed to do, that's good. But when we don't do the things we are supposed to do, like loving one another, it kind of somehow slides by. The, church, the, church, the world isn't impressed, I believe, by a church that doesn't lie, doesn't steal. Obviously, when it hits the news that something like that's been going on, it's, it's a scar on all of us. I mean, it's a strike against our witness, against us all. Because the world expects us to be honest, hardworking, good, noble people of integrity. But where the witness comes in the strongest is when we love one another. What is our witness to the world? Is it the things we don't want them doing? You know, we don't want them, you know, bringing homosexual uh, marriage into the world. We don't want them uh, taking prayer out of the schools. We don't want, there's a lot of things we can get really angry about. But is that what we want to be known for? They're trapped in sin. They don't know the truth. And so we can argue with them over the truth and get nowhere. Do we want to have fruit? How many was a moron before you got saved? And now you've got some more wisdom since you've been saved. All right. So it was the love of God that drew you to him. The same way, I'm telling you, the cultural war will only be won through conversion. One at a time. So bring your neighbors this Saturday. Amen. So we'll be known by our love for one another. It's what Jesus said. He also said in his prayer in John 17, Father, make them one as you and I are one, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The next couple weekends are Love Granberry Outreaches. And it's impressive to the world that churches would cooperate together and reach out and do something good for somebody else other than themselves. And it actually becomes an evangelistic tool because... Many times when you share Christ with someone, they'll say, well, if, uh, if you guys have the truth, then why can't you get it together? Why don't you guys love one another? You can say, oh, but we do. Twenty-some churches cooperated over a couple weekends and did acts of service for the community. It kind of sets them back on their heels. And that lie that the devil has been using as an excuse to resist the things of his kingdom has been diffused because... When we cooperate together, the world knows something's up. Jesus said, make them one as you and I are one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me. So our witness is hinged upon our loving one another. All right, that wasn't the sermon. That was just the introduction. Have you found 1 John 1, verse 5? This is the message. This is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, we know that First John says that God is love. In two different places says God is love. But what is this, God is light? Well, the Bible says his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Another verse says the entrance of his word gives light. The first thing he created was with his word was when he said, let there be light, and there was light. So light is a reflection of who he is, what his word is. And because he is light, I believe he sees things clearly. And because he sees things clearly, he loves. Matthew 9 says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. They were as sheep having no shepherd. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest and he'll send forth laborers into the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. The disciples saw the multitudes, but they weren't moved with compassion. Why? Because they weren't filled with the light of God. God sees things as they really are. All right. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Read that again, verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowshipping with one another is hindered by unforgiveness. It's hindered by hurts that we won't let go of. It's hindered by judgments that we make against one another or vows that we make to protect our hearts. Boundaries that we make, as important as boundaries as 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 important as boundaries are, many times what we call boundaries are walls that are not the will of God and they must come down. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. There's no hindrance in our fellowship. How does that happen? Because with His light, we're able to get His perceptive and see one another with His eyes. That I see that annoying brother is annoying because he's growing in Christ. And that perturbing sister is perturbing because she's growing in Christ. And when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will see that we don't have it all together ourselves. Everybody's a little weird. And that gives us the freedom to accept one another. You see that? All right, let's look at second, uh, the second chapter. Verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. 
But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, I believe he's talking about our perception. If your eye is good, your body is filled with light. If your eye is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Be careful that the light which is in you is not darkness. Now we know the light, the, our eyeball isn't a lamp. But it is an apparatus that God has given us, two of them, hopefully, to receive and perceive light. And while it doesn't project light, it receives light, and without it, without our eyesight, we may as well be walking in darkness because our eyes do no good. Uh, we had an evangelist who was blind, great sax player, um, come and stay at our house when I was a kid. It was very strange to have him as a guest because he would memorize where furniture was and go into dark rooms and never turn the lights on because he didn't need them. He knew where things were. He walked with the light in his heart that was there because he memorized the placing of furniture. Jesus said, be careful that the light in you is really light and not darkness. It's possible to be blind and not know it. Have you ever known a know-it-all who really didn't know much? But he's so convinced that the darkness in him is light, and really it wasn't. It's full of darkness. And so when we have darkness going on in our life, we bump into obstacles and we blame everybody else. We walk in blame. We walk in shame. We walk in unforgiveness. We walk in... uh, uh, you, you know, just name it. We walk in problems. We walk in anger. We walk in uh, justifying ourselves. Well, she did this and he did that. Therefore, I have a right to be mad. And, and there's a reason why I'm telling things that are not exactly true. Darkness. But when we walk as in the light as he is in the light, we see things. And there's no reason to stumble and be tripped up and led into sin because... The light of God's love allows us to see one another for who we really are. All right, that's the front porch. We're going into the house. Um, Just to review, last week we talked about why love others. said because it is God's ultimate eternal intention. Uh, He created us to be a people. He didn't create us to be islands. Uh, George Jones' song, Me and Jesus Got Our Own Thing Going, is not the will of God. We'll uh, shake. I don't want us ever to sing that. Um, if that's where you're at, thank God you've got something going. But the cross was vertical and horizontal. The person you can't stand is loved by God just as much as you are loved by God. And so... The horizontal and vertical crosses, we do have our own thing going with with God, but we also have a God thing going with one another. If we don't, we fall short. We're walking in darkness. Now, heaven is not going to be filled with people that have their own thing going. Just because you go to heaven and have a new body doesn't mean suddenly your personality is going to change. Oh, I have a new body. I believe I'll be sweet to everybody now not going to be that way you'll be known for who you're known and so we're here on earth we're in training we're in bible school as it were to learn to walk in unity to learn to walk in the light and so this sermon today may make you mad the truth will set you free but sometimes it makes you mad at first but hear me out hear me out do not allow some stronghold to raise up its ugly head and convince you you have every right to be the way you are because you're irish 
So I could pick on an Irish because I are one, but I'm Irish. All right. So God's ultimate internal intention is for us to love others. Um, it's also because we need to give what has been given. Freely you have received, freely give. It's because we represent God, who's agape love. God loves you. I don't. Let me slap you. What kind of witness is that? Because people are all made in God's likeness. You saw that verse there in 1 John. If you can't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love your father whom you have not seen? In your bulletin today and also available at the information booth is a list of scriptures on love from the writings of John. Be sure and pick that up. We also saw that we're to love others because everyone needs us to love them. Who needs love? You do. Stop trying to be an island. I don't need nobody. That's not true. That's a sign that you do need someone. One point we didn't get to last week was we love others because it is not good to be unloving. Can we say not good? Not good to be unloving. First John 2 verse 9 says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his his eyes. You know what darkness is? It's the absence of light. The earth was dark in the beginning and God brought light. And so may the Word of God bring light to our darkness today. Today I'd like to speak to you today on the discovering of the love of God. Now, we all know what the word discover means. I'm not going to get into that, but I'd like for us just to break it down a little bit. When you discover something, you learn something that you either forgot or you never knew, right? So when you discover something, you actually recover something that you've lost or uncover something that you were ignorant of. And please understand that word's not used in an offensive manner. So discover is to remove the darkness, remove the, that thing that has clouded our vision of what that was, was uh, reality about. Thomas Edison is credited with making the light bulb and failed hundreds of times and he didn't consider them failures. He considered them as lessons learned on how not to do something. And with each failed attempt to create the incandescent light bulb, he discovered or he uncovered another thing that wouldn't work. On his way to uncovering the thing that would work that was clouded by his lack of knowledge. Am I making any sense? Not circular reason, but to discover is to is to recover something that you've lost. You, you, you uh, gain an understanding. To discover the love of God for ourselves is awesome, but other people need to discover it as well. And I want to tie it in to the light of God. God's love is revealed to us when we see His love for us. All right? The problem in the world today isn't so much a lack of love as it is seeing the truth about one another. When Jesus saw the multitudes, 
he was moved with compassion to do something about it. The word compassion is deep sorrow for the misfortune of another, deep sorrow for the misfortune of another, accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain and remove the cause. Because of what he saw, he he responded. Modern-day faith teaching teaches us not to be moved by what we see. And I'm not wanting to refute that. I I would like to kind of complete that. An example is uh, of this teaching is when Jesus got into the boat with his disciples in the Sea of Galilee, the lowest uh, elevated, deep uh, freshwater lake on the earth's surface. Got in there, fell asleep, laid his head on the pillow, sawing logs, he's gone. Um, and a sea, a, a sea storm arises, a big wind and big waves, and they're about to sink. Now, before he went to sleep, he said, let's go over to the other side. So they saw themselves going over to the other side because of what he said. Okay, we're going. You know. But the Bible says when they began to see the big waves and see the effects of the wind, they began to panic. And so uh, they... Uh, Woke the master up. How can you sleep? We're all about to die. And he gets up and rebukes the storm. And then he rebukes them for their lack of faith. And so uh, not being moved by what we see is taught from that story. See, if they hadn't been moved by what they saw, then they wouldn't have succumbed to unbelief and fear and panic. But I, I would like to just increase our thinking in that story. If they could continue seeing the picture that Jesus' words drew while they were sailing through the storm, they would have made it without waking them up, I believe. But they stopped seeing because they started seeing. The fact is we are moved by what we see. We cannot help but be moved by what we see. So the answer is not to walk in denial. The answer is to walk in the faith and to continue seeing the picture that the Word of God has drawn for us. All right? With that being said, then the answer for loving people more isn't guilt and condemnation. I rebuke you for being unloving, ungrateful, self-centered people. That's not going to get the job done. Wall, ball, and squall. Oh, Lord, make me, you know, what you want me to be. And I know that has its place. God knows I cry out to him for change in my own heart. But I tell you, a more permanent change occurs when we begin to see things we've not seen before. This is why if you're able to go into a mission field, take a short-term mission trip, it can have an impact on your life for life. Because never again will you see your American abundance as a right to uh, to just be experienced, to look down our cultural noses at the rest of the world. We are blessed. And because we are, we need to do something about it. Amen. How many, how many, uh, how many cards, how many stacks are in this? But how many stacks are in the rubber band? Ten. All right, I'd like to call ten people forward. Can, can ten volunteers just come forward, please? All right. 
ten volunteers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. Eighty percent. Hang with me here. I'm not preaching communism. Eighty percent. Eighty percent of the world's wealth is held by twenty percent of the world's people. So two out of ten people in the world have access to 80% of the world's wealth. Based on their gifting, their hard work and all that, they have access to it. 80% of the people in the world only have access to 20% of the world's wealth. In other words, 20% of the world's wealth is held by 80% of the world's population. So, let's have eight people over here. And two people over here. So this is 80% of the world. This is 20% of the world. 80% of the world's wealth is held by 20% of the world's peoples. 20% of the world's wealth is held by 80% of the world's people. So I have here in my hand 10 tickets representing 100% of the world's wealth. I'm giving 80% of these tickets to these two people. Y'all enjoy. And I'm giving 20% of the world's wealth, these two tickets to these eight people. Hey, hope you all enjoy uh, Soup and Song Saturday. You can be seated. Make do. Make do. This is this is why poor countries have higher crime rates. People are trying to survive. So what's the answer? A one-world government? A uh, a more fiscally conservative government? Higher taxes? Lower taxes? Greater freedom? Seizing everyone's assets and forcing a redistribution of the world's wealth, it's not the answer. Russia tried it. It doesn't work. Okay? The answer is the church walking in the light of God's love and seeing, hey, I'm blessed. I gotta do something in the world to make a difference. Do you see it? Are you able to see it? My wife used to be very insensitive to waiters and waitresses. Uh, I worked for years for tips, parked cars. And so I have a sensitivity to tipped employees. And I have preached. I'm not preaching it today, but I have preached. If you don't tip 20%, don't tell people you go to church here. <laughs> I was raised... I was raised in a conservative denomination, and we were known by uh, how we dressed and also how we tipped. And when our church group would hit a restaurant, the managers would be excited and the wait staff would cringe. Oh, my God, here they come again. Because, you know, we gave all our tip money at church because they took offerings every time we got together, and sometimes we had service five and six days a week. And we were hungry afterwards. Just about broke, got enough to buy fries and share them with my wife with a pine float. You know what a pine float is? Ice water and a toothpick. All right, I am in trouble. But having served as a waitress for a few years, my wife's become a pretty good tipper. She doesn't break out the old calculator and pay it to the penny. She rounds it up. What? What is that? Because now she sees things she hadn't seen before, that the hourly rate for 
It used to be 201. I don't know what the hourly rate for tipped employees is now, but it's peanuts. She now sees things because of her experience. There's something about walking a mile in somebody else's shoes that develops empathy like never before. The Jesus people used to sing a song back in the 70s. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, walk a mile in my shoes. Now, do we really want to walk in everybody's shoes? That's not good. Mel Brooks is a crazy film producer. But the last film he made that I know of was he was is the only movie he ever made that I think had a message. He's a wealthy tenement owner who never took care of his apartment buildings. And the city made him live in one for a season. I forgot how long it was. And they, they ripped off his toupee and put him in used clothing and sent him out. And it was a transformation of his whole view of life because he walked in somebody else's shoes. Consider our own hearts. Do we really see things as they really are? Do we really have 2020 vision? Does the world really have all the problems that we have the answers for? When I hit 40-some years of age, I noticed there was a problem developing in the world. A lighting problem. I mean, you couldn't read nothing. It was always dark everywhere I went. Restaurants were dark. This was dark. My office was dark. My God, what's going on in the world? And then the digital age, you know, was really accelerating. It still is. And fine print was getting finer and finer and finer. It's like they're trying to squeeze so much information into a label. Nobody can read it. What are they doing to CD cases? You can't even read the songs. So one day I got some help and found out the problem wasn't the world. It was me. You want to love more, you got to see more. See more of the dragon or the season. What do you see? Do you see opportunities to serve? In Jesus' day, the disease of leprosy was prevalent. And we read about lepers in the Old Testament. If you got leprosy, you could not live with your family. You had to live in the outskirts of the city. And everywhere you went, if you went through public, you had to say, unclean, unclean. Unclean to warn people. Cover up the disfigured parts of your face that would get gnawed off by rats because you couldn't feel itches and twitches and disturbances. Couldn't feel birds pecking on you because the nerves in your body were dying. And so common healthy people, when they saw a leper, they saw the surface. They saw somebody that might be contagious. They saw somebody that needed to be stayed away from. But God sent his son, and he was not afraid to touch lepers. Why? Because he sees the whole story. He sees people that are rejected by society. He sees people that, that maybe had children and were not allowed to hug their child. Not allowed to have a job because of their disease. He saw their need and did everything he could to bring healing to the world. When you see that neighbor you can't stand or the co-worker that turns your stomach. What does God see when they see that person? 
kind of lift our vision higher. A few years ago, I took a spiritual gift test called GiftQuest, and we fed the data into the computer. And here, here I am, senior pastor in Granbury, Texas. You know what the computer said? My number one gift in ministry in the church should be bus driver. And uh, what was funny at the time, and yet it wasn't funny, we gave that bus away pretty quick. I was the only person in the church licensed to drive the bus. I had flashbacks of that this morning. Um, Sunday morning church is about to start, and I'm driving the kids back from camp. Got to make it. Had a blowout one time, and Crescent Man, my stress level went through the roof. So if I am a bus driver, I really want us to see, as we take this voyage together through life, I want us to see where we're going and where we've been, but see the things that we're passing by as opportunities to serve. I certainly don't want to be this kind of bus driver, and I know you don't want to be these kind of passengers. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Community Safari, where each home is an exciting adventure. Here's our first stop. This is Jana. She's a single mom with three boys. She hardly has time for herself. Simple tasks like gathering food for her offspring is quite stressful. This aggressive behavior between the boys is often a result of the lack of a male role model in their lives. Let's withdraw from this situation and let the mother bear tend to her cubs. Okay, now for some excitement and drama. This is Rick and Catherine. They've been married for six years. No, 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 no! No banging on the glass and keep your hands in the vehicle at all times. These can be very aggressive animals. And as with any aggressive animal, do not look them in the eye. Oh, no. Someone's looked him in the eye. Look away. Look this? away. Remember to keep calm. Do not look directly in the eye. Me? Oh, nice. Like okay. that. Take a like picture. That. It'll last longer. Well, it looks so like our time here is done. Alrighty, let's keep moving forward, folks. On the left is Greg. He is leaving for his third job interview this week. As you can see, the female is grooming the male for the job hunt. Greg still has his family and his dignity. Oh, never mind. There goes that one. Not off to a great start, but let's hope that job hunt goes better. Wish there was something we could do to help him. Well, let's keep moving. This is one of the most popular stops and the most requested as well. This is Mimi. She is one of the senior adults in our kingdom also known as a silver top. Do you think we should help her? She has recently been widowed as her husband passed away this last summer. Simple tasks like lawn care and taking out the trash have become quite difficult for her. Oh, she fell! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, she's, she's trapped, it looks like. I need you to calmly get back in your seats. We need to let nature run its course and calmly remove ourselves. Let's head back to the church, shall we? It's cold. And I need to mow my grass. You know, the great thing about going back to the church is, you know you're safe. So remember, folks, it's a wild and dangerous place in your community. So be grateful and thankful you have the safety of your own church. Our church is celebrating Love Granbury weekend next Saturday at 9 a.m. here. Lord willing, we are reaching out to the neighborhoods along Old Granberry Road right here nearest the church. Brandy, who was baptized this morning, lives back there. 
Others who go to church here live back there. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. And We've served those neighborhoods before, and we want to continue doing so to build relationships. But in serving them, it's not just to serve them and say, well, we did our thing for the year, hallelujah. But it's to generate our, in our heart the joy that comes by experiencing the joy of helping one another. Amen? Because needs are beautiful things. They're not ugly things. The things you can't stand, you know what? God made them, and maybe the devil perverted them. But God sees them, those people, for who He made them to be. He made all things beautiful. Shake is coming to sing beautiful things. And as he comes, allow this song to wash your heart and, and to have an impact on everything you see so that we can praise Him, but also so that we can help those beautiful things to come to come out.
You. Mm-hmm. 